0: Thank you for joining the Star Tribune's Talking Preps podcast. I'm David Levake, joined by Jim Paulson. Good morning, sir.
1: David, how you doing? I'm doing well. It's And everybody else, how you doing?
0: That's right. Uh, I'll speak for them. Everyone's doing well. Mm-hmm. And well, they're doing well because the heat has finally left the Twin Cities. I think there is too, such thing as too much of a good thing, and I had, there was a little too much
1: heat for me the last week, but today it was sweatshirt weather. You know, It was refreshing, it really was, to walk into the office this morning when there was a little coolness in the air. Um, The State Fair just got done, and I'm a big State Fair goer myself. um, But it's just – so that even that is difficult for me to tolerate when it gets really hot.
0: We're recording this on a Wednesday morning, and we have games of note again this Thursday. And I know that's typically something we associate with the weekend leading into Labor Day, last weekend – or last week rather, but it's become more of a – there's more games on Thursdays because there's different districts that are stepping up to take their turn to try to alleviate the official shortage by scheduling a slate of games on a Thursday to help spread it out a little bit. And we've got at least one good one that I know is on our radar to pick. And uh, what can you tell me about Forest Lake at Eastridge because – I'll be listening intently because I haven't actually written my pick for for Thursday's paper yet, so I'll probably steal some of your ideas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, last year Forest Lake was a surprise. They started off the season five and zero.
0: They were a great story last year, and, for I don't, sure. and they
1: even won a won a playoff game against Egan, which yeah. was another great story that was yeah. making the playoffs for the first time. Uh, they finished seven and three, and and um, we thought this was a program that is on the come, and they really are. Uh, the problem is last week they. Uh, they could start the season, zero and two, and still be a better team. Right. I mean, last week they got beat by Prior Lake seven to six. They had a two point conversion in their touchdown in the fourth quarter that they failed on. They had a couple of times inside Prior Lake's uh, five yard line and they they couldn't score. So, Forest Lake is a, still a very good team, um, but again, they're playing. They lost to Prior Lake last week. They have East Ridge and the guy I picked to be the top quarterback in the metro this year in Tanner Zolnaski, who is one of those guys that just. Has the moxie, has the quarterback way about him. He knows how to run an offense. He knows what he's looking at. He knows when to throw the ball. It's just a kid that is probably growing up at the quarterback position. And so, um, Eastridge did not have a great uh, game against Park of Cottage Grove in their first game on, uh, was it Thursday? A team they hadn't played, believe it or not, they're in the same school district. They hadn't played Park since 2014. Yeah, that's
0: that's incredible. That an, an unfortunate uh, byproduct of the districts is is when the rivalries that that get missed like that.
1: And and they came out and they uh, they they took care of business though. So they won forty to twenty one. I think East Ridge would be a much much more um, polished team when they see Forest Lake this week. Forest Lake plays good defense. They've got a lot, a lot of athletes. I, I I think it'll be a, a tight game, but uh, I just I see East Ridge is having. More firepower than Forest Lake can handle.
0: Yeah, to to go back to your original comment, Forest Lake could start the season 0-2 and, and be better, and and that's 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 why the the competition level is starting off very very stiff for them. And you know, you just got to weather it, and you got to say, hey, you know, we'll be better team in October for what we're learning about ourselves in in August and early September. So, definitely some value in uh, in getting that good competition. What's the old cliche? Iron. <laughs>
1: iron sharpens iron sharpens I don't know. iron there we go I, I, I guess my thought was that that usually um a whetstone sharpens iron <laughs> but i've never tried the iron on iron thing but hey it works for me
0: very good um friday we've got uh lakeville north at rosemount i'll be attending that one and uh you're going to be going to blaine at centennial it's a couple of pretty good na- backyard sort of neighbor- neighborhood rivalries this weekend and um uh, Schools will be back in session for everybody, and the, the temperatures are a little bit less oppressive in terms of heat. Uh, it feels very much like a football, the our, our first really legitimate sort of football Friday for all those reasons.
1: You know, I really am interested in that Lakeville North Rosemont game because Rosemont is always a hard-nosed team. You know, you're going to go out, and you know, you're going to be in a football game when you play Rosemont. There might be not be a lot of points scored, but even scoring points is going to be difficult for anybody. Um, against Rosemont, and that's always the team they face. And is this Lakeville North's year? Are they coming back? They won the state championship in 2018. Since then, they had, I think, one good season, a 10-2 season, and then they have been three straight years of sub-500 football. Um, and I know that's been chafing Brian Vossen's hide, the coach there, because nobody is more passionate about being a coach than Brian Vossen. But it seems to me that this Lakeville North team, might be back. Their quarterback, Riley Grossman, is a senior. He's been around for a couple of years now, and he's got that that veteran leadership thing going on. So uh, it'll be an interesting game. It really will.
0: Yeah, I think the year that you're talking about where they were still good, and, and I think got all the way to the semifinals of the state tournament, Rajah Nelson was a quarterback. And so that might have been the year after the 2018 run. He, I think he was a, a junior on the 2018 yep. run. Mm-hmm. And then the next year he was... Uh, given the keys to the offense as a quarterback, because you know he'd been a receiver and running back and kind of a, a jack of all trades in terms of getting the ball in his hands, and they thought, well, why not have him start with the ball in his hands? And and he carried them to uh, to the semifinals, and then like you said, then then a little bit of a decline after that. So, um, but yeah, we'll see what happens, and uh, I, I'm curious about Rosemount, too. They lost a, a kind of a generational defense that they had last year, and you think, okay, well, they're they're Gilbertson's gone and Bills is gone and and then you they go out and they shut out their first opponent so it's like oh, okay I guess they're still playing good defense there so that'll be I'll be interesting to see what that one looks like and Blaine Centennial um, Centennial is really they had a solid year and they they had a they have a real they they fit the description of what you how you just described Rosemount you know you're in a football game when you're playing Centennial and what do we what do you like about that matchup what do you see in terms of who has an edge and, and why.
1: Well, you know the, uh, those two teams combined to throw a total of fifteen passes in their in their first game. <laughs> um, they're hard nosed, hitting, running, you know, veer option quarterback keeping the ball kind of uh, running games. Um, so what I like first of all, and you have a quick game. It's yeah, going to go right. by. We had some long ones on uh, last weekend. Um, a, a game that's going to go by quickly is always nice. Keeps the clock running. Um, but yeah, again, Centennial at home. Uh, Blaine came out and, I think, startled St. Michael Albertville. I think they got off to what, a 17-0 lead in the first half. They had to hold on for a 17-14 win. Um, and Centennial came out and beat Coon Rapids 48-22. Coon Rapids has the wide receiver that everyone loves, uh, Kaijan Cummings. I hope I'm pronouncing her. Right. Kaijan Cummings Coleman. Uh, he had like nine catches, 252 yards. They let him get his and then they shut Centennial Coon Rapids down for the rest of the game. Um, so I, I, I expect to see Centennial take this one. I think it will be a hard-nosed game. I think it will be tough. I don't think yards are going to come easily.
0: I think in defense of Kaijon and his, his immense talent, they may have maybe not done as much as they could to, to stop him, but I think he's going to get his whether you are trying to allow him to get his or whether he's just going to go and take it. And it's probably a little bit of both with, with that kid in that, in that
1: situation. You know, when I was doing the uh, dream team, looking at him, the thing that stood out to me is, well, he's not an incredible burner. There are guys that are faster. He's got good speed and he, he can get his in, uh, himself open and knows how to use his body to uh, shield off defenders, wall off defenders and be in a position to catch the ball. And he makes contested catches. He's a fantastic talent. And, uh, uh, like I said, I don't mind to say he's slow. He's definitely not. He's definitely got the speed you need, and he can get the separation off the line of scrimmage, but his ability when the ball is in the air to to make adjustments, to come down with the ball is pretty impressive. Are you talking about his catch radius? <laughs> you mean long arms? <laughs> yeah. I
0: may have to uh, keep that running joke going for the season. You, you talked about his speed will get you where he needs to be. Let's let's unpack the concept of – not shouldn't say the concept, but the, uh, the examples that we saw in, in week one – of speed. We had each had a couple of games Thursday and Friday. And what were some of the impressions that you got? Because it seems like every story that we were regaling each other with here off-air was had to do with someone who was incredibly fast.
1: You know, speed does make such a huge difference in this game. And I, I saw Chan Hasson at uh, Elk River on uh, Thursday night. Elk River took an early lead, but Chan Hassan had some explosiveness to them. Um, the most explosive is their running back, Maxwell Woods, who's probably... Um, I think, as shifty and hard to bring down as any running back in the state. Uh, he's got quick feet. He can change directions. And when he gets the corner, no one's going to catch him. Uh, guy, I saw m- a number of examples of Elk River players, and I've seen this before in the other games as well, where you think you've got the angle on him, and then you're going, and suddenly he's like five yards past you already. Yeah. Now these, these defenders are all of a sudden having to turn and veer to run to chase him. Uh, and that's what speed can do for you.
0: Yeah, I had uh, Gerard Jones, or Jared Jones. Jared uh, Jones. He's a junior running back for Simley, and he had a monster game against Winona. He scored. And he accounted for five touchdowns, and, or excuse me, four touchdowns. Sorry, his, his, <laughs> I don't need to make his uh, his ego any bigger. Uh, yeah. But no, it, it's he. Uh, he was great. He ran the ball only eight times, but he covered 163 yards, and that's 20.4 yards that, uh, per run, uh, by the way. And he caught a pass for. Um, I wanna say it was about twenty seven yards and it wasn't an over the top pass. It was here's a short pass and then let Jones do his thing and he was spectacular. He really carried them. He uh he goes uh five foot three and about a buck fifty. He's not the biggest guy five in the foot world. Three? Yeah. Seriously? Wow. Yeah, yeah, he's not the biggest guy. But he um you know, I talked to his coach about how about how he was? Because Jones was the fourth leading rusher last year for the Class 4A champion Simley Spartans. I said, "What sort of conversations did you have with him coming for coming into the season? What do you want him to work on in the off season?" He says, "Just stay fast." He said, "Because <laughs> he said, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but if you have that speed and that quickness, and you can be shifty, you don't take a lot of big hits. And he he and you know, the people deflect off him because yep. he's just a strong kid." And I hadn't thought about that. But, yeah, you can. Speed is a way to protect yourself.
1: You know, and, and we saw some other uh, guys with good speed that made a difference in games. One that comes to mind, I don't think either of us covered the game, but the kid at Woodbury, um, Quentin Cobb Butler, two kick return touchdowns. And the first two, they, Woodbury had uh, 14 points before they had even uh, ran an offensive play. Uh, the kid uh, took the initially the opening kickoff against Roseville. Returned it for a touchdown. Then Roseville responded, got a touchdown on their kickoff return. And so Butler said, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm going to do you one better. <laughs> and did another one. Um, and this kid is, you see the name Quentin Cobb Butler, it almost always has the term explosive in front of it when you see it in, in print. This kid can do do it all. He's probably the best kick returner in the state. And uh, you can't bring him down. You can't catch him. He, one of those kids that knows how to find that seam and mm-hmm. get through it. So um, sometimes kick returning is an art.
0: It is, really, yeah. Uh,
1: you know, guys, that you, you don't, you can't put on too many moves when you're a kick returner. You have to put your foot in the ground, you have to go, and you have to know what you're going to do when you see the, the the lane open up, and then you have to hit it hard, and that's what he's got. Uh, I also saw a kid from Lakeville South, Connor Cade, take a 99-yard uh, kickoff return, 99 yards for a touchdown, and Wyzetta thought they had him corralled, and he just ran right through them and i can still picture the wide of players and they're not slow no and, no, and the, no the gap widening as uh cade was going downfield and uh, it went going from a uh, 2 yards to 5 yards to 10 yards until he just kind of strolled into the end zone so speed makes a huge difference when you've got it 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 you can't duplicate it
0: yeah those those guys are all fast and you mentioned quentin cobb butler i had him a year ago and i think he made a big kick return in that game as well, and it just was something I think that Andy Hill had had. he he'd been on the special teams unit saying that, you know, you guys haven't really taken one back in a big way recently and we could really use it, and uh, they responded in that game. So, yes, I got to see a little bit of him last year. I can I can picture what you were saying as you were describing it because I, I remember watching him just flying by, and he's, an, he's a very impressive runner.
1: You know what? And I don't think he's much taller than about 5'8". No, no, he was not huge, you know, and and so that goes back to the fact that there is room in the game. If you got speed, you can be a little guy. That's right. Or if you can throw the ball, there's a couple of quarterbacks last week that were, you know, five eight, five nine, had uh, uh, great games throwing the football too. So little guys made their mark in week one.
0: What other impressions? I got to go back to. uh, It seems like an eternity ago now, but last Thursday I had the Holy Family opener. And they really put a hurt on Academy Force. 45-nothing. I I wasn't expecting that. And, you know, this is if you're going to end a 20-game losing streak, that's the way to do it. (laughs) They really uh, put it together. Aided by uh, two defensive interception returns for a touchdown. So two defensive touchdowns. And then they they just looked really good. And and then it kind of got away from Academy Force and then the snowball, you know, that rolling downhill sort of thing. But yeah, Holy Family, a lot of I mean, I talked to the quarterback after the the, the game, and Gavin Fry, he's been around for four years. He's been through three coaching regimes now. And he was, his his eyes were watering. He was he was emotional. He was very much, he'd been, he'd been striving for a lot, long time for this, and, and they got it done. And, and uh, I, you know, we like to talk about, well, this is going to turn the program around. I don't know if that'll turn it around, but it certainly doesn't hurt to have, a win in your back pocket as you're preparing now for this, this week.
1: You know, it, it shows you how much emotion and motivation does play a factor in football. I mean, there are some sports where, you know, a talent level makes all the difference in the world. You know, you can look at basketball. One player can make the difference between a 500 team and a state championship team type team. Football's a little bit different. Um, you saw that in college football where Deion Sanders took Colorado, the, probably the worst team in uh, Division One football last year, and they beat TCU. Um, and so the same thing with, um, Holy family, you got the coach, coach or coaching and coaches and the guys are excited. They're motivated. They, they see that the program is starting to turn around and it makes a difference. I'll be interesting to see how you keep that momentum going though, to see if, uh, you, that initial first game excitement eventually wears off and then the good teams and the good coaches find a way to keep, uh, uh, to keep the train going, I heard an interview.
0: I think it was uh, on KFan, and I know it was on KFan. There, I think they have a weekly interview with PJ Fleck, the Gophers coach, and he. They were talking, they were reflecting on the Nebraska victory, and he, he said something that I thought was was interesting that that probably applies very much in the high school world, and that was, he said, "We never have guys that, and um, you know, we have guys that work out all summer, but yet when we have that first day of training camp, that's when we have our most cramps." And he said, "I think that it's a combination of the need to be hydrated, which I think guys do a pretty good job of. But it's also you're, you've got nerves and butterflies that are they're that coming into play that that aren't that aren't there when you're just training, you know, in the summer. And the same thing with the first week game; you, you you're you're just extra hyped, and and it's just a matter of kind of you know this this it takes care of itself to the motivation and, and the emotion. I think the key is to how quickly can people get to their game and settle in and and." Credit to the Holy Family coaches because they were able to, with all of the talk and the hype that's swirling, the coaching staff and everything else, uh, they were able to keep their guys on point, and that that's 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 a skill and of itself.
1: Yeah, you know it uh, it uh, is, is part of football forever because if you've been on a football team, if you've played football, you know the emotion that goes into it. You know what locker rooms are like before the game. I, when I was playing football, you weren't allowed to talk. <laughs> you know it was a silent locker room where everybody's getting themselves pumped up and everyone has their own way. Emotion plays such a huge part of the game when you're, uh, when you're playing football and again the big thing that has to happen is you have to be able to manage that emotion. You can do it for one week can you keep that going the next week there's always going to be a letdown and that'll be the uh, biggest telling point of what Dan O'Brien and Ferguson and Nelson, terrific coaches themselves they've always been through it, are able to keep that going
0: you brought me back to Johnson High School, early 1990s. We didn't have silent locker rooms, but it was a silent bus ride to the game. I do remember that, and so it's time for reflection and preparing yourself and going over the, the things that you learned to practice and things like that. So I do remember the silent bus rides for sure.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and you, when you were a younger player, you didn't dare utter a word because the seniors would scowl at you and give you that look, and maybe if, if you angered them you might take an extra hit in a practice somewhere when you That's didn't right. see them coming so uh yeah it's uh the, the kids that are the leaders they're the ones that run the show and it looks like maybe they're on the right path in holy family
0: i think we've uh, covered some good ground today and i appreciate you being here as always jim we're going to be out and in, in force this week thursday and friday and look forward to coming back with a, a whole crop of additional insights and uh and uh, stories from the the world of football and beyond. And uh, we'll get to all that next week. Thanks a lot.